Welcome back to the First Touch Podcast. I am Tyler Brook, joined alongside Nate Canan. Nate, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. You're not spending any time in Chicago this summer, man. You're back in Indiana again. <laughs> man, I got to enjoy the great outdoors while I can. This summer has been such a shit show. Like any opportunity to go outside and not feel bad about it, like I'm going to take advantage of that. Yeah. No, I feel you there. Still not a complete sense of normalcy. We're still a couple of months into the quarantine kind of life. I'll be working from home until the start of 2021. I really wanted to go on a trip at some point this year, but obviously that's not really looking to happen. I was hoping to jump across the pond. I know you had a chance to go see a Liverpool game before everything, like literally right before everything started changing around. I'm not going to be so lucky to do that because like there's not even going to be any live sports going on until at least October overseas. But I did seem to manage to find kind of a workaround of a bit of a trip. I'm planning to going uh, camping here at the beginning of September, and I have not been camping since, like, I honestly don't even know when. I was like a Boy Scout back in the day, so this will be a little interesting. I did not know that you were a Boy Scout, Nate, that some things are adding up right now. I'm a big hiker. I'm not a big camper. Like the whole sleeping outside, not a fan. Like I love one day hikes. You know, give me that. I'll camp if needed, if the payoff's worth it. But you know, I'm not a big camping guy. Yeah, I'll use the term Boy Scout loosely. It's like I was definitely a part of the Boy Scouts of America. I went to those meetings, but I soon stopped like once junior high or high school came around because it just, you know, didn't fit my my social image. I thought I was a little too dorky. No offense to all the Boy Scouts out there. Great organization. But I think it's not necessarily the whole camping thing. I think it's just craving a s'more over the campfire is what's leading me to do mm. this more than anything else. And I'm I'm terrified of, of seeing a bear. You're afraid of bears? I'm not afraid of bears, but it's just very deceiving. They're so cute and adorable when you see them online. You know, like I'm communicating primarily through like Google Hangouts with all my coworkers throughout the day. It's different than seeing them in face to face. So, you know, you send like GIFs and stuff and other images. And the common one that I think a lot of people are familiar with is like that bear like waving like, oh, hello, hi. And it's just like looking so cute, but it's it's a big grizzly bear. Honestly, if you see that bear out in the wild, I'm going to run in the other direction. Just don't mess with it, man. You're A, you're not going to see a bear. And if you do, just don't try and provoke it in any way. If it makes you feel better, just go to Google and figure out how to deal with encountering bears. And I'm sure you'll be fine. You know, I definitely have already done that. There's like this thing called <laughs> bear spray. And I think that's just ridiculous. I'm I'm considering buying it, but I'm going to like a camping site, like a camping ground. It's not like I'm just driving off into the middle of nowhere doing this on my own. It's very tailored to... To me and my lifestyle. It's literally called like this getaway thing for people that live in cities, like major cities like New York, DC, LA. And they're like, hey, come live out in the woods for a little bit. And they like give you basically everything you need. So it's it's gonna be taken care of. But I have literally thought about buying this bear spray. And if there's other campers there, I don't know what this thing smells like. Like it could be just the most potent thing in the world to just keep everything away. Is it a bit uncouth for me to just like douse the area with bear spray? I feel like I'd be very much frowned upon by doing that. Probably don't do that. Just one last thing that I was thinking about, about these bears. There are no bears in soccer that I can think of. Like, we got the Chicago Bears. I think there's a basketball team that's the Grizzlies. I don't know of any bears. Like, obviously, there's other woodland creatures. There's the foxes. You know, you got Lester. And then you got a bunch of birds all over the place. 
wolves and things like that. No bears. That's actually a good point, Nate. Why is there just We're gonna find a bear team. I'm tune in next week when we figure out what the bear team is. I bet there's is. probably like a Russian bear team and I'm gonna be all about that. That's the only thing that I could possibly think of. <laughs> well, I think that's enough bear talk for one episode, but best of luck with the camping. Hope you don't run into any bears. You got to keep us posted. We do have a great show lined up for you today. Um, we got a new segment to tease. Um, we'll also be talking a little bit about the Champions League and previewing that return to play. Obviously very excited about that. And we'll be back with our regular segments around the net and pub of the week. Yeah, we got a great episode ahead as well as some great guests coming up as well. Uh, one thing I just wanted to mention early on in this episode, definitely stay tuned uh, for upcoming episodes as we have many great guests coming down the pipeline, such as Christy Pierce from Poem, probably the most decorated American soccer athlete that there is. So super excited to have her come on the First Touch podcast here next week. Some other segments, we're going to start doing a pitch profile, taking a deeper dive onto individual players. Some of the feedback that we've gotten from the FTFC up until this point have mentioned there's a lot of different names to follow. And I know personally, whenever I was first getting into professional soccer, there are so many names. And that's why I think a lot of people tend to follow like the Messi's and the Ronaldo's because those are the names that you hear so often and all the time and they're the ones that are dominating the leagues that they're in. However, there's a lot of other great players out there, a lot of ones that are also worthy of recognition that we bring into our conversations week after week. And we just want to give you a little bit more insight to who these people are as players, as individuals, and more reason to get behind and support them. We're going to start off with one of our American heroes, the young Christian Pulisic. We will be giving him our first pitch profile, but first we're going to talk a little bit about some of the soccer from the past week. This is going to be a subject that is going to be personal, personally really difficult for me to just want to talk about. <laughs> um, do I do I say it? I'm just going to go out there and say yes. Arsenal won the FA Cup. That was a damper on my Saturday. Poor Chelsea just can't beat Arsenal in the FA Cup final. This is literally like a nightmare FA Cup final matchup for Nate because it's two London teams that aren't Tottenham. It was a wild match, honestly, all things considered. We're talking about Pulisic in a little bit. I actually scored the opening goal within the first five minutes and then came off with an in- a hamstring injury, which was obviously very unfortunate. It's difficult being a Tottenham fan wanting anyone to win this. I was on the Chicago Tottenham supporters page before this, and people were discussing, like, who do we want to win more? And the mutual consensus was not Chelsea, but it also wasn't Arsenal. It was we were hoping that a meteor strike would happen, and that didn't happen. But I think we ended up jinxing ourselves because the only redeeming quality of the entire match, at least from my perspective, Christian Pulisic, ends up leaving the game with a hamstring injury early on. You know, Chelsea fans had to have been so excited right out of the gate for that. And then all of a sudden, not only does Kovacic get a red card, Bamiyang scores both goals, one on a penalty in the first half, and then a game winner in the second half. Things just fell apart for them so fast. And to make matters worse, Pulisic, Azapuleta, and Pedro all got hurt and will all miss the second leg of the Champions League. Arsenal came into this game finishing the Premier League at ninth. They were clearly the underdogs here in this game. Chelsea finished fourth. 
it was pretty much a no-brainer in terms of who you think would walk away winning this game. I guess Arsenal has, has had some momentum leading up into this, and I get that they could probably just, if, if their chemistry is meshing, then that's probably what's going to propel them. At least it was a nightmare scenario in my wheelhouse, and I know we have a lot of Arsenal fans out there in the FTFC, and you can, you can all laugh at me, and you can all revel in my misery, because let me just break down essentially what this victory means. By winning the FA Cup, and we're going to talk a little bit more about these cups in coming weeks, and we already mentioned that we're going to cover the Champions League uh, later this episode, but when you win the FA Cup, you essentially, not only do you get a trophy, which is extremely important, this is something that the Arsenal side hasn't had for quite some time, uh, you also get a qualifying spot within another league. You get a automatic entry into the Europa League. So depending upon where you finish within the Premier League, if you finish within that top six spots this year, you had entry into the Europa League. So Arsenal wasn't in that. The way that the league ended ninth place, you're not in the Europa League. You get that trophy, you're in. Break it down simple. Tottenham doesn't get that same kind of entryway that they normally would have now. So they're technically still in the Europa League. However, they were knocked down to the second qualifying round of the competition. If Chelsea would have won, we could have walked away. Spurs would have gone straight into the group stages if Chelsea would have won that match. However, now Tottenham has to play three matches that they have to win to get back to the same spot that they were at before Arsenal won. Does that sound confusing? It sounds confusing to me, and I understand it. So let me break it down one more time. Arsenal wins means Spurs down a notch, have to win three matches to get back to where they are in the Europa League. Yeah, I'll be honest. I actually didn't know how that worked with Tottenham at sixth. Uh, A part of me thought that they just were kicked out and they weren't going to go to the Europa League. I did not know about these qualifying matches. So at least I think I was following along with you, Nate. Uh, so hopefully our listeners were too. It's definitely a confusing headspace to be in sometimes of like, what does this victory or what does this loss mean to these other leagues or these other tournaments out there? It's kind of hard to follow sometimes, but but rest easy here. The FTFC podcast is there for listeners like you that are confused about it, just as we have been in the past. It won't break it down for you. So with that being said, Um, I know that we also talked a little bit about Wolves last week. So essentially, Wolves are in the same kind of bracket that Tottenham is in now. So they have to play in these matches, and they can work their way back up to those uh, group stages. The only other thing I wanted to talk about with this FA Cup match, because I know it just physically pains Nate to be talking about it, Uh, but I do want to give a shout-out to Aubameyang. (laughs) Scored both goals scored both goals and then just proceeded to drop the trophy in celebration. Just that's just like the ultimate faux pas in soccer. I'm just going to refer to that as a Arsenal hat trick for sure. You score two goals, you drop when you you drop something when you celebrate. That's how I sleep at night at least. The Arsenal hat trick. Uh, well, I don't think they'll be complaining it. I think they'll be celebrating that trophy for sure. You're right. The credit where credit's due. Congratulations, Arsenal. You have yourself another trophy, and I have myself another puddle of tears to cry into and sleep in every night. <laughs> well, moving on, I, again, just pretty excited about this next segment with this pitch profile. Easy transition for us since we were already talking about him in the FA Cup. But we wanted to give a more deep dive breakdown on some of these players, and it feels only fitting that we start with A, an American, 
and B, someone actually from Nate's yeah. home state. So Christian Pulisic, you've heard his name being mentioned by us time and time again in this podcast. So let's just call out who he is. So Tyler, what do you know about him? The one fun fact you always love telling me is that his dad was the assistant coach to the Pittsburgh Riverhounds a few seasons back. So I know any chance you get to bring that up, you can. And I respect it. I honestly do. But if I recall, he's also from somewhere. Yeah, so he originates from Hershey, Pennsylvania, which is near the middle of the state. A couple of listeners out there might recognize that name, Hershey. Yeah, you heard it. Hershey, like the chocolates. That's where the town and the chocolates get its name from. It's from that local area. There's actually a theme park there as well that's dedicated to a lot of people's favorite kind of candy bar out there. So that's where our American superstar hails from. He's the son of two soccer players. Both played at George Mason University, and he became a product of the U.S. Soccer Development Academy, playing within the PA Classics. Yeah, I I find that so interesting because when we had Jimmy Conrad on, you know, a few weeks back, uh, he definitely had his issues with these development academies, or at least how we develop our players, especially like at the high school age. Uh, But I do definitely think that Pulisic is one of those success stories. We hope to have more people like this come up through those academies because it's just unfortunately the system that we have right now. Just looking at him talent-wise, great player. Again, we'd mentioned before how he scored the goal in the FA Cup final within the first five minutes of the game. If you've just watched him since Project Restart, maybe you're just following along with the FTFC podcast and just kind of getting into soccer now. You see week after week Pulisic being one of the people that's on the scorecard. Yeah, I think that all comes down to you know his development at an early age, not just with the U.S. Soccer Development Academy, um, but with Borussia Dortmund. At 16 years old, he actually signed his first professional contract, started with their youth team. Um, But, you know, within a year, he quickly developed and worked his way onto the senior side. And in fact, my guy, Jurgen Klopp, back when he was the manager for Dortmund, before Klopp left, Pulisic had not actually been promoted to the first team yet, but he was having Pulisic train uh, with the first team. And I just think that's a lot of credit for, you know, Klopp A, recognizing talent, Um, But obviously, just a credit to Pulisic, even before he was playing with the first team, it was clear and obvious that even though he wasn't even an an adult legally yet, that he was able to compete with, you know, some of the best players in the world. Just looking at this player, one of my favorite things to think about is the first time he ever scored for the United States men's national team. The kid was 17 years old at the time. He actually scored his first goal the day after attending his senior prom. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely transformed into the star of the United States men's team. You know, that goal alone helped him become the youngest player to ever score for the United States men's side. I was looking into some aspects of his life, and I found something that I thought that you might find interesting or at least funny. Um, A couple of years back, he tweeted uh, something to one of his best friends named Logan I probably will butcher his last name, but Pachancho or something along those lines. He's He was a midfielder for Stanford University, and he just wished him a happy birthday. And he actually used a term that you kind of use to describe amazing shots. He said, happy birthday, buddy. Hashtag piss bangers. Oh, okay, because I love calling goals piss missiles. I like that. I like that a lot. You know, he's a young player. And he has a bright future ahead of himself. Let's just talk a little bit more about his career at BVB. He had 127 appearances, scored 19 goals at that time, 
and he walked away with 26 assists across all competitions before he made a transfer over to Chelsea in the Premier League. Yeah, Chelsea is where he's really come onto the national stage. Like, those are still really solid numbers for a kid of his age. But, you know, this season with Chelsea has been pretty miraculous. You know, despite all the controversy about instances where, you know, he's theoretically healthy and Frank Lampard's not playing him. Um, But in 30 appearances this season, 11 goals and 10 assists, just really impressive. And that's even more impressive when you look at the nine matches after Project Restart, four goals, four assists. I'm sure some of these are some of the more memorable goals of Project Restart with coming off the bench and scoring against Liverpool or, you know, taking the lead on Manchester City to help Liverpool clinch the title. It seems like he's been one of the top stories almost every week in the Premier League. Hopefully his success in the Premier League end up transferring over to his work in the United States men's national team. Again, Again, we discuss our fandoms all the time. In terms of myself being a Tottenham fan, I am loyal to that team. And therefore, I've already mentioned earlier how much I distaste Arsenal, how much I distaste Chelsea. However, I do always find myself having a smile on my face if Christian is the one doing something for the Chelsea side. I just got to root for that home team element of the United States men's national team because we have been so bad for so long. It was embarrassing that we didn't even qualify for the last World Cup. And as we're gearing up towards the Qatar World Cup coming up in 2022, we got to start asking the questions, will this person be a future captain for us? Will this person be that element that helped bring the United States men's national team to a more serious um, competition side? Like, are people finally going to start taking American soccer seriously on an international scale as they should with the men's team on the same way that the women's team dominant? Is this person going to be the one element that can help tie it all together? Uh, At this point in his career, I mean, we've seen him step up in big moments on, you know, massive stages overseas. Uh, I'm not is worried about what he can do like for the world cup. I think we have a legitimate shot at that. I'm more interested in the storyline. Can he become one of the best, if not the best American players ever? I think there is a real case for that. Yeah. I can't disagree at this point in time. I just hope that, um, you know, Again, it's going to come down to what he does with the United States men's national team. It's a lot of pressure to be on him. And we spoke about this with Jimmy whenever Jimmy Conrad was on a few weeks ago, that it's a lot of pressure to put on one person because, again, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a whole team. The whole team has to perform it for you to be successful. And what's great is that we're seeing Christian do really, really well with Chelsea. And, you know, as you already mentioned, that are they starting him? He's healthy. People didn't expect him to be a starter whenever they first transferred him over. He was playing sometimes going to be just a sub-on, sub-off kind of player. But now, again, like as you mentioned with Project Restart, he's become a valuable asset. Four goals and four assists in nine matches, that's incredible. Yeah, especially when you consider some of those are coming off the bench. I think next year is going to be huge for Pulisic. I think the great... Sounds like there are rumors that Willian might be transferred out which is you know he has obviously been taking some minutes away from Pulisic so I do think that you know given the circumstances around that team next year and with Timo Werner coming in uh, and that connection he has with Olivier Giroud I think the potential for next year is 
you know, it's big time. I'm very excited to see what he can do. Next Absolutely. Season. And just lastly here, it's worth mentioning the partnerships that he's had with Giroud. He's kind of taken him under his wing. It's weird to think that Giroud might be at the end of his uh, playing career. I mean, he's only 33 years old, but you know, it's just kind of what happens. Players cycle in and out. Uh, people are already talking about is uh, Pulisic the next uh, Eden Hazard uh, who made a transfer over to Real Madrid within the past few seasons because that element was missing from this Chelsea side um, and they kind of lacked that dominance from that position so yeah um, he's fulfilling a huge role within a very historic and very competitive Chelsea team again as we mentioned they finished fourth in Premier League Christian Pulisic is going to be playing Champions League football for Chelsea which I think is amazing and he's only 21 years old that's absolutely crazy, and it's unfortunate we won't get to see him in that second leg this year, but it is exciting to know that we'll have you know an American-born player showing out in the Champions League next year. Um, really enjoyed this segment. There will definitely be more of these in the future. Definitely looking forward to doing you know weekly bits of this. If you have someone that you want us to talk about, uh, please let us know. We're happy to do a deep dive on anyone that made you become a fan of the game. Shifting gears to our main focus of the episode, we're going to be talking about a return to the Champions League. I think before we start talking about the teams that are in Champions League, we should give a little bit of an introduction to what the Champions League even is. Tyler, you're familiar with the Champions League, yes? I mean, I was at one of the Champions League matches. Uh, If not, I believe it was the final (laughs) Champions League match that was played before everything was shut down. So, as someone that's stayed, or as someone that's gotten to AJ Hudson's at six in the morning for the last two Champions League finals, I would like to say I'm pretty well versed in the tournament at this point. And I will say this as well. Again, soccer can be intimidating because of all of these different leagues, the way that things finish, and all of these different tournaments. It's not as cut and dry as most American sports are. You know, even in this COVID environment that we find ourselves in, take hockey, for example. We know the games that are going on right now are in a tournament-style bracket that will ultimately lead to who raises the Stanley Cup at the end of that. Soccer is a little bit more difficult because you're following a lot of storylines and a lot of different matches that could lead to different results. As we've already talked about what the FA Cup final meant for the Europa League, we need to now talk about the Champions League. In terms of European football, the Champions League is the cream of the crop, as I would say. It is the most dominant tournament that Europe has. Uh, the UEFA Champions League, you also see it known as like UCL sometimes, It's an annual competition organized by the Union of European Football Associations, UEFA, right? You've heard that term time and time again. Now you know what it means. Basically, the top division of the European clubs all compete for the title. And whoever wins this cup is deemed for that season the champions of Europe. I was initially skeptical when I'm getting into soccer because I was like, oh, there's all these tournaments. But... The Champions League, what makes it so appealing is, like what you just said, it is the top teams out of every league in Europe. So you're going to get the top Italian teams, you're going to get the top English teams, you're going to get the top German teams. And when you see these matchups, like, I mean, this Friday we have Manchester City versus Real Madrid. You're not going to get to see that in any other instance. 
And it helps settle a lot of those arguments in certain years where, you know, you talk about who is really the best team in Europe. Like, uh, it's got to be, it's got to be Liverpool. It's got to be Barcelona. You know, this is kind of that opportunity where teams can put their money where their mouth is and actually compete against those other top clubs they won't usually play. And I think it's essentially March Madness, but if March Madness only included the truly elite basketball. Yeah, and I also think it provides that same kind of American timeline where anything can happen, like those great moments and great games kind of shine through. Because in the regular style of the leagues, like the La Liga, Serie A, Premier League, it's a bit of a grind, right? Because it's week in, week out of like you just hoping that your team wins or just takes a strategic draw no matter what. You don't really have that kind of cushion on the back end of just like, hey, there's another match, there's another match week after week after week, because after you reach a certain point through the group stages, it becomes single elimination, and you have to leave it all out there, because if you don't have what it takes to make something happen, you're not going to move forward. And I'm not bringing this up to touch a sour subject for you, Tyler, but I think it's just worth calling out here that the Premier League champions, uh, Liverpool, aren't in the Champions League anymore. They got eliminated. The Tottenham got eliminated too. So, like you know, if if you want to you know throw some shade back, you can definitely do that. But again, both of those teams played in the Champions League final last year. I think, like you said, some of these big moments, like the Lucas Moira goal last year, is still steered into my brain as one of the most dramatic moments I've ever seen in soccer. Liverpool getting kicked out still stings a little bit, especially having actually had to witness it in person, flying all the way out there to see that happen. But I don't think there's any better environment in soccer. Again, it's just watching these elite clubs and these smaller clubs make runs. I mean, it's crazy to think that we still have in the quarterfinals, RB Leipzig is still in with the eight remaining teams once these round of 16 matches wrap up that we're going to have a team like that in the quarterfinal. And I think it just, like you said, anything can happen. And sometimes we can get these you know, smaller, less prominent clubs you know, making a run for a final, and it makes the entire atmosphere that much more exciting. So, Tyler, one thing that I want to also touch base on is how exactly teams are selected for the Champions League. How how do these teams get in? How do these leagues get selected? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because you have 32 spots to fill, and every association in UEFA gets to send a certain amount of teams. What's actually pretty interesting is that this is based upon what they call a UEFA coefficient. Essentially, these are scores generated by clubs to determine essentially how many teams your league gets to send out. And it's based off like history of um, previous seasons. Uh, so it's pretty interesting in that regard. You know, the common one is typically that, you know, the Premier League get four. Some of these bigger leagues get four teams they get to send out. So each of the top 12 ranked associations with those coefficients, are guaranteed at least one spot, and then the rest of the spots are being allocated with essentially the higher a league's coefficient is. So essentially, the better your association is, whether it's Bundesliga, Premier League, anything like that, the more spots your league is guaranteed. Yeah, there is a lot of words there that are a little hard to follow, so just boiling it down, the more skilled and talented and competitive as well as accoladed with awards that your league is and your teams are, the more teams that you can qualify to move over into the Champions League itself. So here we are. Champions League soccer is back upon us. What do we got? What, are, what do we have to look forward to? What are you watching? And who? what storylines are you thinking about? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest storyline of them all is that this is going to be single elimination starting in the quarterfinals. Now, we still have four round of 16 matches that need to be concluded before we move on to that. Uh, The reason being, you know, there was one leg for these four different round of 16 matches, and we never got to finish the second leg. The one that stands out to me as far as those round of 16 matches that's going to be the one to watch uh, is absolutely Manchester City versus Real Madrid. You've got a team that was the most dominant in the Premier League since the restart versus the La Liga champs. And City currently holds a 2-1 aggregate lead through the first leg. Now, again, for those casual ones who aren't too familiar with how the two legs work, you play two matches against each other. The higher aggregate score of those two matches advances. The tiebreaker is away goals. You move on to extra time and then a penalty shootout. So this one stands out to me from the remaining round of 16. Again, just because both of those teams are so dominant and it's still relatively close with a quarterfinal spot on the line. Just looking at this schedule, it's just so bizarre for me to just see the lapse of time between these matches. March 11th was the last time that we had a game, and now here we are starting back up on August 7th. Coming up on August the 8th, the match that I'm also very excited for is the La Liga Barcelona second place finisher takes on takes on the team that won the Copa Italia, Napoli. So um, that's what I want to really see is if Messi can spark some life into that Barcelona side. I honestly am very interested in this match, uh, especially because it is currently one-on-one aggregate and Barcelona or Barcelona has that away goal. Um, this is actually my bet of the week. We might as well just talk about it now. Um, I do have Napoli at plus one against Barcelona, meaning they are a goal underdog. Uh, I just think Napoli isn't a team you want to sleep on, and we saw that when they beat Juventus in that Copa Italia final. And at the same time, you know, I, I might be a little biased here with that Liverpool comeback, but you know, Barcelona does have a recent history of not being the most clutch team. For a second leg with it tied, I just think the worst case scenario here is that Napoli loses by a goal and you get your money back on the bet. Uh, so I'll be rooting hard for Napoli, but again, I just think being that heavy of an underdog going in, I think that's a relatively safe bet. And I do think Napoli does have a chance to advance. Yeah, uh, I don't know what team is going to be being... I If you were to ask me right now, I don't know what team I think is going to be crowned the champions of Europe at the end of this. Uh, I'm interested to see these first couple of matches just to see what exactly plays out. I'll then make a more concise, uh, educated guess after that because I will start to see what the international play has between these teams. Uh, but yeah, t- take a look on that bet. Uh, see if Napoli ends up uh, putting down Barcelona. So just naming the teams really briefly here, we see Juventus, Lyon, Manchester City is taking on Real Madrid, Barcelona is facing Napoli, Bayern Munich is taking on Chelsea, we have uh, PSG against Atalanta, and we have Atletico Madrid uh, taking on RB Leipzig. Any of these matches stand out to you aside from what you mentioned with Napoli? I mean, honestly, you just look at the remaining teams and just like seeing it on paper, it's just like a lot of really fun squads to watch. I think the one I'm rooting pretty hard for since we've started getting into Serie A more recently uh, is Atalanta against PSG. You know, PSG is going to be without Mbappe. Atalanta is the highest scoring team in Serie A by a mile. They scored 98 goals in their 38 matches. I'm very interested to see if they can make a run, especially with all this craziness going on. 
I just think that's a very realistic one they can win, especially if it's a knockout where anything can happen. And I think that does change the dynamic of a lot of these. You know, RB Leipzig's another one, you know, without Timo Werner, they can still, you know, get lucky and sneak past Atletico. Uh, but I still think far and away the favorite in this is going to be Manchester. City. Yeah, I think you're right with that. But I'm going to actually say that I think PSG is going to come out on top against Atalanta. Uh, the only reason why I'm saying that wow. is because if you watch what they've been doing in terms of scrimmages, they've been defeating teams leading up to this match like 9-0, to 8-0. to They're leaving no mercy to any person that they're, they're, they're facing, and you need that kind of ruthless approach in the Champions League. Again, Atalanta, they are crushing records in terms of goal scoring, but PSG is also, they're ready to play. Anything can happen, as we already mentioned, it's Champions League. Atalanta had to play the remainder of the Serie A season where PSG did not have to finish out. They were just automatically crowned champions within the French League. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting match. I'm excited to see what becomes of it. I I predict a very high-scoring, entertaining match, but I do think PSG is going to walk away with with the win with that one. I think it's just a matter of, obviously, PSG has gotten some actual playing with their tournament they recently were in and won. I think it's just going to come down to whether all of the time off helps or hinders PSG. Now, fortunately for them, they were able to get some matches in with the uh, Coupe de la Ligue. I hope I pronounced that right. Walked away as tournament champions for that. But yeah, again, it's just that matter of they going to come out rusty against a much better opponent. Uh, we'll see. I think no matter what, though, that match should be getting a lot more coverage than it is currently. But outside of that, you know, there's still so much to be played. I'm excited that Champions League's back, and I'm even more excited for it to come back for the next season, uh, officially the proper competition in October. Yeah, what's so bizarre, what we're all going to walk away from the end of this season is that we're going to close one door and then just automatically open another one. There's going to be very limited delays, which I, I think is pretty exciting because we can end these tournaments and then instantly people people can instantly start implementing changes to what they need to do to be successful. Well, that's all that I really have to say about the Champions League uh, this time around. Obviously, we'll be covering a lot more of it as the second chapter uh, comes to a close for this uh, remainder of the season. But let's shift over to one of our favorite segments, and we know yours too, Around the Net. Yeah, I figured you might want to take the first one, Nate, with uh, your boy Jose Mourinho uh, taking another dig at Manchester United, his old club, uh, and specifically Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, so Jose speaking to a Portuguese newspaper uh, recorded at the airport. Jose said, Bruno came in, he was fit, played very well, and improved the United team. Then he He's also proved to be a great penalty taker, one of the best of the world, because he had about 20 to score. He really loves bringing up the all the penalties that Manchester United has had to take the past year. I think they set the Premier League record. Yeah, I think that's the biggest argument about uh, Bruno Fernandes that we have um, of like against his credibility of being a goal scorer. Um, again, like thanks again for everyone engaging with us at the FTFC. We know that we've had a lot of good discussion of who deserves the Ballon d'Or on our Instagram. If you still have an opinion, you know, throw that in there. We're always happy to hear that dialogue and that conversation going on. But yeah, uh, Bruno Fernandes scored a lot of his goals from taking penalties. They drew a lot of penalties. 
it's, it's a lot of combinations of a lot of things, including VAR. But here we are. Jose is just one person that always just has a little bit of an attitude. And it's just, he has a personality. Uh, unlike any other manager that I've ever seen in football. I mean, you're a, you're a big, huge Klopp fan. And people think of that guy as a coach and a dad. He's just like a big, lovable entity. Jose is like, he's just a heel. You've probably seen clips of him like running onto the fields like trip players sometimes. He's not a nice guy. <laughs> He's pretty funny, but like there there is moments to enjoy. I'm super excited to have the Amazon series coming out soon. It's actually going to be coming out at the end of the summer here, supposedly. So, you know, just a couple of weeks away, apparently, of um, following Tottenham season. And there's just this clip that they released this week of like, him trying to connect with a player about like how nobody pronounces his name right he's like everybody calls me jose i am not jose i am jose and just even in those moments like you can really see his personality and i think it's a lot of it's it's a huge ego thing that is part of it but you know i i I get the thing no on our first episode nobody pronounces my last name correct it's it's canan it's not keenan it's canan well, this podcast was the perfect opportunity for you to let the world know, and they have to hear it at the start of every episode. So, you know, maybe one day, maybe one day you'll be known by your correct last name. Moving on, the only other thing we found, and it absolutely had to be talked about, um, David De Gea actually found his doppelganger, and holy dude, shit, dude. it's wild. Looked at the picture, it, it's, it's him. <laughs> I'm pretty floored by it but David De Gea took put himself to tweet it he tweeted a picture of Ross County manager Stuart Kettlewell and we're not exaggerating you need easy search or check our social medias literally looks exactly they're the same person the only difference is age between them because uh the Ross County manager Stuart he just has a little bit of gray in his beard you know Stuart's got a little salt and pepper beard so that's the only difference there. So I, I think this is like, if you've ever seen like Harry Potter, this is like a time turner kind of moment where I think that like uh, this guy is actually David De Gea and he just like is stuck in this parallel universe where he's like, well, I got to be a manager somewhere. So I, I do think they're one in the same. They are identical. We've never seen them in the same room. At least I don't think. Well, it needs to happen now. It needs to happen just like how we had the um, Will Ferrell and the drummer of Red Hot Chili Peppers have a drum off because they look like they're the same person. We need to have like a keeper off with them. Penalty shootout. <laughs> yeah, I think if Stewart walked away the victor of that, then we would know for certain that they are one and the same. Last but not least, guys, our favorite segment of the week. Pub of the week. This week's submission is from FTFC member Jim Bavogel. Uh, shout out to Jim. Uh, he wants to give a shout out to the Hamlin Pub in Rochester Hills, Michigan, located at 1988 South Rochester Road. Uh, Nate, uh, what can you tell me about this spot? Yeah, so Hamlin Pub. Thanks again, Jim. Love that we have a lot of different submissions for these pubs from all over the country now, not even just in major cities, but also really enjoy the fact that, like this is a pub that's not in like Detroit. It's actually just in a smaller town in Rochester Hills, Michigan. Uh, so they have a lot of different cool things going on there. They're primarily a Manchester United bar. They do have several locations. However, we're talking about the one specifically here in Rochester Hills. Uh, one thing to uh, mention as well, not only can you wake up early there, go see 
of the games. Mostly, again, a lot of it's going to be Manchester United heavy. However, they do have live entertainment. So if you want to start your day off there by watching a soccer game, you could end it in the evening by watching some live music. Of course, it's going to be a little bit different right now, all COVID things considered. But if you ever find yourself in the suburbs of uh, Detroit, check out Hamlin Pub and tell them the FTFC sent you. Thanks again to Jim. Really appreciate it. And as always, feel free to reach out to us with your submission for Pub of the Week. Uh, We'll be more than happy to shout it out. We'll leave you the same way we leave you with every episode and that there is no room for racism.